micro versus macro evolution. I like to look at things from a big picture and then also then finally to focus in on them. So for a second, let's, let's take a kind of a telescopic view, the go big or go home view. And I, want to, I do want to come back to scripture here and listen to what the Psalms wrote. Listen to what King David wrote in Psalm 19. He said, the heavens proclaim the glory of God. And the skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak with a sound, without a sound or word. Their voice is never heard, yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all the earth. Consider for a minute, I'm going to show you some pictures. Consider the vastness of the universe. Our solar system that we are in is part of this thing called the Milky Way galaxy. It's enormous. How enormous? The earth revolves around the sun as we know that. But by a comparison's sake, if we were to say the earth is the size of a golf ball, then by the same comparison, the sun would be 15 feet in diameter. If our earth was a golf ball, the sun would be 15 feet in diameter. It's massive compared to the earth. And yet the sun, the sun is pretty wimpy when it's compared to some other stars. One of the brightest stars in the night sky is called Betelgeuse, I think is how I say it anyway. If the earth were the size in this comparison, if the earth were still the size of the golf ball, the diameter of Betelgeuse would be equal to six times the height of the Empire State Building. Wow, that's amazing. And one more thing, the the star Canis Majoris is the brightest star in the night sky. It's called the big dog star. And in the comparison there, if the earth were the size of a golf ball, the diameter of Canis Majoris would be the size of Mount Everest. It's enormous. That doesn't prove anything other than There must be something keeping all this going. It's the anthropic principle. That's what a lot of this has gone back to, something called the anthropic principle. And it says that the earth is perfectly designed, our earth is perfectly designed for mankind when it comes to planets and ours is absolutely one of a kind. There's another doctor, Dr. Robin Robin Collins, uh, that is an outspoken advocate for the divine design of the universe. And he suggests this, that the fine-tuning, the perfection in which the whole universe works together is by far the most persuasive argument for the existence of God. And here's an illustration that he uses oftentimes when he speaks. He said, our earth sits exactly 93 million miles from that sun. 93 million miles away. But here's what's important to understand. Not just that it's far away, but that if it were to shift just a few thousand miles farther away from the sun, all the water on earth would suddenly be frozen. If it shifted a few miles closer to the sun, Everything would evaporate. Oxygen. It's interesting. Oxygen makes up 21% of our atmosphere. 
21%. I kind of think that's cool. Not, you know, I, I would have thought 20, 25. No, 21%. 21% of our atmosphere. But if it were, let's say, that 25% of the atmosphere, fires would erupt spontaneously around the earth. If it were 15%, we would all suffocate. Interesting. Sounds like a pretty complex design. The, the moon is a perfect distance from the sun to maintain the proper tidal effects and the tidal waves without throwing off our climate. They're trying to figure out climate control and climate change. And like, okay, there's a designer that really does all of that. Dr. Hugh Ross, this is going to get you. Stay with me here. Dr. Hugh Ross is an astrophysicist. And he said there are 122 constants or key factors that make up this anthropic principle. And the probability of one planet, one planet having all these necessary constants without some kind of intellectual design is virtually unimaginable. Here's what he says. There are, properly, there are approximately this many planets in the universe. Look at that number. I, I didn't know. It's, that's 10 trillion trillion. In that, in that galaxy, in that universe, those are the planets. And there's one that we have ever found in all the tests done that sustains life as we know it. And the probability of having one, one planet having all 122 constants necessary to support life is one out of that number. I, I don't even know what to call it. Just a whole lot of zeros. A whole lot of zeros. And, and, and these guys are scientists. These aren't just some good old boys sitting in a room going, uh, no, these are, these are guys that have done experiments and they're watching the universe. They, they've done everything. They've gathered the information when we have sent rockets into space. And these are the conclusions they're coming to. But what if we took a close-up view? What if we narrowed down and took a microscopic view? Is it, it's, it's all in there. I've told a lot of you guys before, I think I've even shared it in sermons before, that my dad, when he was alive and working at the University of Kentucky, he was part of the team that installed the very first computer ever at the University of Kentucky. It was part of their medical program in which they were going to do studies and stuff. And that computer took up a room the size of a living room. It was enormous to have all the fans and everything to keep it cool. And yet... This has more memory than that computer did. So this memory keeps growing and the ability to, to have all this extra memory keeps growing. And as that continues to grow, when it comes to the storage of information, there's nothing that we have yet, not this, not our cell phones, not any computer, that have come up with the information storage equal to that of living cells. Nothing. Nothing. The things that are pulsing through you right now can store more information than that computer my dad helped install, than my watch, than your cell phone, than any computer you have. It's amazing. So last week, we talked about how it's not enough to just talk about creation and evolution. We have to go back to origins. Where did all the stuff where did all this stuff in the universe come from? Whether it evolved or not, 
how did it get here? Where did it come from? And there are pivotal questions before you can even get to that concept of creation versus evolution. Man, monkeys, long before you had the debate, you got to get to origins. So let's talk a little about some origins of how we stay alive. Medically and scientifically speaking, we know that proteins are the building blocks of life. We know that. And it takes 75 amino acids to form a protein. And there are about 300 to 500 proteins that come together to form the most basic cell. The most basic cell. You can't throw all that stuff into a mixing bowl and just stir it up. For these cells to be, there has to be an intentional sequence. Like Thursday night, we had chili before we came in here. And and I thought I was going to die standing up here preaching after all that chili you can just throw a bunch of meat and beans and tomatoes and noodles or whatever you put in yours you can just throw that in a bowl and start stirring it it's not that way with proteins and cells it has to have a sequence dna has become such a large integral part of our criminal investigations today and rightly so i mean innocent people have been given their freedom because dna didn't match up and guilty people have been found guilty beyond a shadow of a doubt because dna did exactly match up dna though doesn't use 26 letters like our alphabet does it uses what's known as a genetic alphabet that only has four letters only has four letters it uses four nitrogen bases that are represented by the letters a t c and g and these letters comprise what is comprised what is known as this genetic alphabet richard Dock Dawkins is a renowned atheist from Oxford University. He's one of the most outspoken atheists in the world. And yet Richard Dawkins admits that the genetic code that is found in just the cell nucleus of a tiny amoeba is an encoded message using the genetic alphabet that would fill 30 volumes in the Encyclopedia, Encyclopedia Britannica. 30, just, a, just a nucleus of a single amoeba. If you wrote the entire genetic code that is found in a primitive amoeba, he said it would fill a thousand complete sets of encyclopedias. Those codes are written in order, much like a story, much like a book, and they must be accurate for life to be healthy and sustainable. That's pretty complex and the more complex the design the more likely a designer would you just consider that if you're writing would you just consider that see charles darwin could not have understood the implications of dna during his lifetime but with all that we know about dna today it becomes more and more of a stretch to say that this detailed information that is throbbing inside of all of us was by random chance. We said those proteins are, are building blocks of life. And DNA is the building, is the code that builds the proteins. And so DNA is like a blueprint. It's like a blueprint. And what this means is that proteins rely on DNA for their production. And DNA relies on proteins for its production. How could you have one without the other? And how could one of them evolve before the other? They need each other. Give it all the time you want. 
all the time you want. There's virtually no chance that they both just happen at the same time. Implications are huge. The more complex the design, the more likely a designer. Let's, let's wrap this up. There was a missionary named E. Stanley Jones that was a missionary to India. He wrote a book called The Way. I want you to listen to part of what he wrote in that book. He wrote, when God made you and me and the universe, he stamped within us a way. It is part of us. The way to live is not merely written in sacred books, but it is also written in our blood and our nerves and our tissues and our organs. It is not only written... Uh, is not only written in the text of scripture, but in the very texture of our beings. It is this, catch this, it is not imposed, but exposed, exposed from our very makeup. And here's what I want you to catch, and it'll be on the screen. Then he added this scientific illustration. He said, in chemistry, H2O produces water. You might fight with the formula and try to twist it into something else, but in the end, you will either surrender to it Accept it, obey it, or you won't produce water. Two parts hydrogen, one part oxygen is the way, and everything else is not the way, but in the way. Chemistry didn't invent this law or impose it. Chemistry discovered it. What would cause someone to change? As we're going on this journey, what would it take for someone to change? Let me suggest that probably the most important ingredient in helping you change, helping someone else change, is relationship. It's really, you, you got to know people. You, you, you're just not randomly going to stop somebody in the street and hit them over the head with this stuff. Not at all, but with relationship and trust that we talked about in our previous series... With relationship and trust, you can have those hard conversations. But, but for someone to change, there has to be a stimulus. There has to be a crack. And, and, and there has to be some way for light to get in. How do you get a crack? Something or someone has to be broken. Have you ever prayed for brokenness? I think a lot of times we pray against brokenness. But sometimes in this journey of helping people to move from no to maybe to okay to yes to yeah, I'm all in. We need to pray for brokenness because we're all broken. We just have to understand and open our eyes to our brokenness. You see, when we do, when we understand that, open ourselves to that, that there's a creator designer that wants to preciously heal those cracks of brokenness we can understand that he knew that concept of kintsuki that we introduced in our last series he knew it long before the japanese discovered it with pottery because he had sent his precious only begotten son whose blood was shed to fill the cracks of our ununderstand of our non-understanding Every design points to designer, and that's truth. That's truth. The truth must never be separated from well-established relationships of caring and concern. If, you're, if, your friend, if your friend doesn't know Jesus, you don't want them to accept Jesus so that you can win an argument. You want them to accept Jesus 
because he is the answer to everything. That's truth. But see, relationships, relationships are like bank accounts. You can't make withdrawals of hard conversations before you make deposits. So if you want to help someone on this journey from over here to over here as we've laid it out, if you want to help someone on this journey, you've got to make enough deposits into those relationships so that you have adequate space and capital built up to have those conversations and to have them in love. And if you do, if you do, who knows? Maybe one day you'll hear the words that Jesus heard from the father whose son Jesus just healed. And he said, I believe, but would you help me overcome my unbelief? There's a lot of people out there that want to believe. They just got to overcome their unbelief that has been poured into them by a system that is pruning their synapses taking out the stuff that makes the most sense and filling it with other things filling that God-shaped hole in their heart with all sorts of other things and the only way to move from there to there is through relationship and education and being able to have those difficult conversations maybe today maybe today you're like okay I've got to ask some questions we love questions we love questions. We have people that sit down and, and make appointments with you and talk with you. We got people today that if you just said, hey, I think I've got all my questions answered, would you just pray with me? We got people who love to pray with you. If you're ready to take a step of a huge leap of faith today and say, I want Jesus in my life, we got people to talk to you about that and be more than happy to baptize you today. If you've made all those decisions and you're like, yeah, I just needed this, to, more tools in my toolbox. While we sing this last song, maybe you just need to be praying, God, would you break so-and-so? You know who so-and-so is. They're your one. And maybe what you need to be praying is, God, would you break them so that the light can come through the cracks and we can introduce them to Jesus? Because he will. He will make a way. Would you guys stand with me? If you need to talk to someone, Jason's back there at our decision room. Bobby's in the room. We got other people. and go back there and pray with you and talk with you. Maybe you just need to stand, worship, pray, and let God make a way. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here working in this place. I worship you. I worship you. Yes, you are way maker, miracle work, promise keep, light in the darkness. My God, that is who you are.
Because we know in our, in our family, we know that some of your moms and dads out there right now are praying for your kids to figure this out. Hey, guess what? We got some kids in our student ministry that are praying their moms and dads figure it out. God's working. God's working. We just need to be open to it. All right? Hey, man, if this is your first time worshiping with us, we're so glad, so glad you came. Would you thank Evan for being here and leading us in worship this week? If you haven't already done so, stop at the I'm New Wall out in the lobby or at one of the tents in front of the back. Uh, if you're a first-timer, we've got a gift for you out there. If you want to know more about what's my next step, there's a room back here called the Next Steps Room. You can go there, and they can talk to you about, like, pathways that's coming up November 15th. But there is something big coming this week that whether you're here or not, you need to be praying about Wednesday night. Because Wednesday night is our Fall Family Fun Festival. If you've been here, you know what I'm talking about. If you've never been here, trust me, there's about 3,000 people getting ready to descend on the hill Wednesday night for our Fall Family Fun Festival. We have figured out that, yeah, and it's an awesome opportunity. Here's what we figured out. They may not find us if we have crackers and grape juice, but they will find us for Skittles. So Skittles may start appearing in the communion trays, if that's what, no, 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 no. But really, here's two things. If you have, if you're coming, that's awesome. If you're volunteering, park out front so we can have the back stuff for our guests. And if you haven't, if you're not coming but can bring some candy and drop off at the church, that would help us immensely. So let's get ready for Wednesday night. Let's go love God, love people, and change the world. See you guys.